Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. There's a film that's just gone off the picture theatres a little while ago and uh, it's got three editions, I think. But... um, The main player is the Iron Man. And uh, he's got blue lights for eyes, superhuman strength, a power pack that glows in the middle of his being. He shoots rays, there's rockets come up out of his shoulder that fly off and blow up all sorts of things. And the best part I liked was when he calls for his armour, he stands like that. And his armour comes from goodness knows where. He clump, 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 clamps all over him and ta-da, Iron Man. That's the way of the world. God does it differently. God puts the Iron Man on the inside. And it's from the inside. And you don't have to wait for it to arrive. It's there with you all the time. All the time. God puts the Iron Man in us. In us, in us, and we, we struggle to understand that living in us today is the Godhead, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, who is teaching us, who is revealing to us everything about Jesus. He's in us. So just because we go from this place doesn't mean that we've left him behind He's in us. You can't leave him behind. He's in you and he's in me. And this is called the mystery of godliness. And we struggle. We we, we struggle with it. We struggle with this sense of who who we are in as much as we have the promises of God applied to our lives, but we have this way that sometimes we feel and the circumstances we are living through or do I even say it, living under. We should not be under our circumstances. We should be either going through them or over the top of them. The mystery of godliness. I want to talk with you for a little while this morning about the mystery of godliness. You see, God does not deal with us according to our iniquities or our sins anymore. When we came and we confessed Jesus Christ as our Saviour, He dealt with our sin there. The Bible says He has put them as far from our lives as the east is from the west. He's taken the tentacles of sin, and he has removed them. But sometimes I still feel them. I feel like they're still there. I feel I'm still missing the point or missing the boat or I'm not really fully engaged and we struggle a bit. I I wanna talk to you a bit about that struggle today. I I hope I can bring you some understanding so that you can learn to live in the position that God has given you and not live over here 
in the state you feel. So position and state is my title today. Position and state. And I want you at the end of today to say, I'm gonna live according to the position God has given me and not in the state in which, my, in which I feel, in which I feel. Don't trust your feelings because they lie to you. Feelings lie to you. If you're having ice cream and jelly and fruit salad, you feel like you're in seventh heaven. If you're eating broccoli and beans, you feel like you're almost in the other place. You see, some of you have been laughing because broccoli and beans to some places is almost heaven. And ice cream and fruit salad is, but you can tell I'm not a broccoli and beans person. I am here to demonstrate the benefits of ice cream and fruit salad. When Jesus comes to our life, we were dead. The Bible says we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead. Jesus comes to our lives as the Lord of life. And the Lord of life, His simple presence banishes death. Death cannot stay where the Lord of life is, just like a shadow cannot stay when a light is turned on. Shadows have to go. Darkness has to flee. When the Lord of life arrives, something changes. Something changes that really is beyond reversing. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 17, the Bible says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away, new things have come. As a child, I used to like putting things in boxes like little animals and whatever, and uh, I had my fair share of silkworms. And, uh, you know, they were pretty good. I had to go to the neighbour's place to get the mulberry leaves and put it in there, and, and, you know, the... Those jolly caterpillars had insatiable appetites and grew and got to a point, they suddenly went to the corner of the box and there they spun themselves a cocoon. And after a period of time in the cocoon, they would come out of the cocoon, out of that silk cocoon they had, and then they would be butterflies. I have never seen a butterfly trying to get back into the cocoon. And when God changes our lives, He puts in place an irrevocable process that we are changed from being caterpillars. We are changed from just gormandizing on on mulberry leaves and eating, oh, (laughs) just eating green stuff and kind of passing the same sort of thing. We are changed, we are brought into life. We fly in the sunshine. We lift our wings and we go like that and we soar in life. We're no longer on the vine, we're above it. 
changed. Never seen a butterfly try to go back into its chrysalis or its cocoon. It's amazing the patterns that God has placed in nature to try and show us what He is doing for us. Yeah, we, we, are the, we are the prime piece of His creation. Well, ladies are, I suppose. I mean, I mean us, us men almost made it, like make a man, have fellowship with him. But we had one problem that God could see. So he said, well, I've got to make someone, one last creation. And he made woman. So ladies are one up. Ladies are one up. We're almost there, fellas, but ladies are one up. But we are so far superior to everything else that's been made. Because God has invested in us a free will. And it's out of that free will that we worship and honour Him and please Him and respond to Him. So He has taken us now and He said, you were in the old, I've given you and put you in the new. We are, we are now given a position in God and God deals with us according to that position He's given us. He doesn't deal with us as though we were still a sinner he doesn't deal with us as though we're half a creation. He doesn't deal with us as though we're a long lost cousin. He deals with us in the position of being generically a son of God. And our problem, our difficulty is that we sometimes feel differently to what God's Word says about us. And can I say this cautiously and carefully but we are in danger of repeating the same mistake that Adam and Eve make, that we rely upon our feelings instead of realising the position God put us in. Don't any of you point the finger at Adam and Eve and say, look at the problems you've caused. I, I would honestly and carefully say to you that if you had been there as Adam or Eve, that you probably, most possibly, more than likely, just a smidgen short of absolutely, would have done exactly the same as they did. So it's fair for the Bible to say that we are in the likeness of Adam. But I'm so glad I'm so glad that Jesus came in the likeness but broke us free and brought us into position, into life. So let's look at these old and new. Let's look what it says. In the old, we had no God. Had no, no living life God. No real God. We could make a statue that we could build in the corner. We had to carve it. We had to make it. We had to paint its eyes on. We had to put the decorations on it. Then we stood it up in the corner. Oh, great statue. Oh, wonderful. Help us, help us. Who made the statue? Come on. Statue. Oh, oh no. We can have other things as statues. No God. Now because of this change, we are brought into the position of knowing God. Yeah. Of God knows us. 
And uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18 says that we have access by the one Spirit to God our Father. By the one Spirit, access to Him. In Corinthians, sorry, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14, it says that we have been released from sin's grip and now we are redeemed. Redeemed means you have been bought for the second time and there's no more owing on you. You've been bought for the second time and there's no more owing on you. You've been bought and you've been placed over here in a position by God. And there's no lay-by, there's no store condition, there's no uh, provision that can drag you back over here because God has paid the full price for you to be here in the position that he has placed you and set you. Galatians 3 and verses 13 to 14 say that we were under a curse, but we have been brought out and there is no curse. There is no curse. There is no curse against you. And for those who are going to Kalawasi where people uh, have a slightly different perspective on things, similar to New Guinea, where there still is ancient religions and, bar and, and uh, beliefs that are something less than God's belief, belief in God, where you can go to a witch doctor and you can ask him by paying him money to put a curse on someone. And if he's a, if he's a puk puk man or a crocodile man, then he will call the crocodiles up and a crocodile can take that person. That's a curse. That is a curse. The Bible says there's no curse on us. Don't you ever accept a curse on your life. If someone gets angry at you and curses you, don't you believe it? Don't you accept it, reject it, refute it? Say, no, I'm in a position where I am not cursed. I've been set free from any curse. Because there's a bigger curse than what you could put on me that came on me from Adam and Eve for through sin and, and that's been broken and I've been set free. You, you cannot be cursed. You cannot be cursed. We've been brought out of darkness and into light. Ephesians 5 and verse 8 tell us that. Out of darkness and into light. And again in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, we were once a slave. We were a slave to sin. Whatever sin dictated to us, we, we obeyed. We followed suit. Whatever it said, we did it. But we've been brought out into sonship. We have been adopted into sonship. If you're a person legally adopted into a family, you cannot marry one of your seemingly sibling brothers and sisters, even though your lineage is entirely unknown or entirely removed. Adoption, legal adoption, actually views you as being part of that original family and you cannot marry them. Now, I know that because I've just become a marriage celebrant by Commonwealth law. So, 
You, you can't marry them. Now, if we know how to make such a binding legal adoption, how much more when God says, I have adopted you and made you my son or my daughter, is he not able through all strength and measure to make that stick so that you are absolutely legally identified as a son of God? Son of God. We were, we were bound, bound to live in their old ways, but we have been loosed, Galatians 5, 24, 25 says. We were under no covenant. There were no promises made to us. There were no promises at work in us. But through Jesus Christ, we've been brought into a new covenant. A new covenant. Hebrews 12 and verse 24 says, I feel happy. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> we were prisoners, but Galatians 6, 14 to 15 says that we have been brought into freedom. Whatever traps you, whether it's words that have been said over your life, whether it's been peer pressure to wear this dress or that dress or these clothes or that clothes, Whatever it is to live in this home, live this side of the city, drive this car, have this sort of job, whatever it is that might try and entrap you and hold you in some way, my God says that I have released you from that and I have brought you into freedom. That was a great song, that last song we sang. In fact, at the end of this message, I'm gonna ask the band to return and we shall sing that again. And you shall sing again with full strength and gusto. The name of Jesus has broken every chain. And we'll sing it and we'll know what we're singing because the Bible says that He has delivered us from every semblance of bondage and brought us into freedom and into life. I used to be guilty, but I have been exonerated used to have a guilty conscience about things that had been done. But I have been exonerated. I have been given a certificate of, of, of honour and brought out and set free. I used to be condemned. Romans 8, 1-2 says, but now there is no condemnation. How many people suffer under some, some shadow of condemnation? My father, bless his heart, said to me when I was small, he said, we gave you the right initial son, PB. They don't stand for Paul Benithan, they stand for Playboy. Not as in the magazine Playboy. Just wanna, just wanna pull those thoughts in right there and there, th there, thank you. Peter, we'll pray for you afterwards, all right? That was just too quick, that association was just too quick. But Playboy, because, and some of you will identify with this, is he said, you start a whole range of things, but you never, you never finish it. You just play around. You know, I wore those words for a long time in my life. That I could start something, but never finish it. And it intimidates you from starting something new, because... You've been told you can't finish it. 
or you understand that you're a, a non-finisher. You start a race, but you're never going to win a prize. You're never going to complete the course. You're never going to make it, is the inflection, is the understanding. And one day, driving my car, God pulled me up and he said, that my old life was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who died and gave himself for me. That simple verse set me free from ever thinking of myself again as being a playboy. That God placed me in a position over here. He said, I have separated you from over there. I've brought you over here now. And I've made you new. There's no hope in the old life. Meet so many people in the world, no hope. God fills our hearts in Hebrews 6, 18 to 19, talks and makes us full of hope. No real future, Colossians uh, Colossians 3, 4, we're given a future in Christ. The Bible says, when Christ who is our life is, re- is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. We had no family. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says that we have been adopted. He has predestined us to the adoption of sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. You have been brought over here because God wants you. You've been made his family. He has adopted you. You are legally, eternally binding his Finally, just for the sake of this part of, we have a, a mind that's been hostile toward God. I mean, we are prepared. Julian Huxley said this, one of the great proponents and fathers of evolution. He says, I choose to believe evolution. So I want you to hear the words he says. It's a belief, it's not, it's not, it's not scientific, it's a belief system. I choose to believe evolution because I cannot stand the idea of there being a God in heaven who made me and that I might be responsible to him in the way I live my life. We have come to God. We don't have a mind any longer that's hostile. First uh, Colossians 1 verses 21, 22 say this, that he has brought us into a place and he says to me and to you, you're holy, you are blameless and you are without reproach. Holy, blameless and without reproach. Now there are just a few moments in my life where I don't feel too holy. Just had a little spat with the wife. Just got a bit angry with the kids, or in my case, the grandkids. 
just chopped the wrong branch off of that fruit tree that I've been nurturing so well. It could be anything. Feelings will try and undermine your position in God. Feelings will make room for fear. Feelings will fight faith every day. Don't live over here. Live in where and what God says about you. I want to look at just a couple of these right now. Taking Galatians 5, verses 24, 25, they say this. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, we shall also walk by the Spirit. We have been loosed away from belonging to the flesh and we have been brought into freedom to live for God. You see, when Jesus died for me, he came and took on a physical body just like mine. The Bible says that he was tested and tempted in every way common to man. So there is nothing that you and I can experience that he doesn't know about in some measure. In every way. And yet beautifully that verse says, and yet without sin. So Jesus felt all the strains and pressures and, and pulls and wants and diswants and, and unwants. He felt all of those, yet without sin. Because there was a stronger principle operating in him that he knew that he had come on a mission for God. He knew that his position was to be a sacrifice for humanity. And that kept him Safe. That kept him on track. That kept him on There's, it's, it's incredibly important that we understand that vision, having a vision in your life, having a vision for what God says about you and what your direction is in him will keep you safe. You will make choices on your sense of vision. You don't have to have a vision to be Pastor Tony. You don't have to have a vision to be what I am. Man, when I first felt the call and heard the call of God, I didn't know it meant the life that I've lived. I had no idea. One day I'll tell you what that vision was, but not this morning. We haven't got the time. But vision, vision will keep you safe. Vision of what God says about you will keep you safe. You don't need some huge, humongous, to use one of my grandson's words, humongous vision about doing something. You just need a vision of God. You just need a vision about what he's done for you. If you see that vision, if you hold on to that vision, it will keep you safe in this life. And when you get tempted to wallow in your feelings, to be sucked down in your feelings, to get caught up in the, in the mud, grit and grime of your feelings, you'll say, no, this is a decision I can make. No, I'm not going that way. I'm staying with what God says about me. Does it feel easy? No, sometimes it doesn't feel easy. Is it the right thing to do? Yes, it is the right thing to do. And it grows your spiritual muscles. It grows your strength. You don't get muscles in your arms 
by just moving checkerboard pieces around on the table. You have to, you have to give them some resistance to work against. And if you're gonna grow spiritual muscles, there needs to be some resistance in your life to grow your spiritual muscles. There will be work. Let me, be, let me not lead you into any false ideas. There will be work. There will be sweat. There will be hanging on. God, I'm hanging on here and I'm not moving. Sometimes there'll be ridicule. When Peter got out of the boat, a seasoned fisherman, and he threw his legs over and put his first foot on the water. What do you think his mates, the disciples, were saying to him? Especially those who, who were also fishermen. Don't do it, Pete. You're in for a bath. You're going to sink, and then we have to drag you out, and you're going to make us all wet too. I could almost imagine Judas in the back of the boat saying, Five to one, he goes down. Who'll give me 10 to one? 10 to one? <laughs> Matthew, I'll be the banker. I'll hold the money. It'll be okay. Hey, these were real men. When we talk about the disciples, we're talking about flesh and blood like you and I. When Pete threw his leg over the, there wasn't just his head saying, you know, Pete, you're being about to be a real idiot. You know, Pete, the water won't support you. He had his mates in the boat saying, what are you doing, Pete? You can't go out on the water. It's a ghost out there. It's not for real. But Peter determined that his position was that Jesus had said, come. And come was like a concrete highway that he could walk on. He didn't actually walk on the water. He walked on the authority in the word come. And when Jesus gives us a word, you can take anything on. Somebody says, all right, for you, Pastor Paul, you get a word. I need a Bible. I haven't got my Bible. We have a book of words. We have a book of promise. You and I need to know what's in that book. We need to know what it's saying to us. Second one is that I'm a son and not a slave. I'm a son and not a slave. I am not a slave. You don't have to be a slave to anything. Anything that calls you by name, any little habit, any little attitude, any little position that you adopt, any little posture that you adopt that says, hey, come over here. It's right for you to be angry right now. It's right for you to have a, it's right for you to have a bit of a grumpy fit. Yeah, come over here, do it. It's right for you to get cranky. It's right for you to lack patience right now. Come on, do it, do it. That's anything that appeals to your sense of, it's all right for me to do it, needs to be challenged with, are you being a slave to that thing? I don't mean to poke fun at anyone who struggles with cigarettes, but someone once said, but as regards to cigarettes, who's the sucker? The cigarette or the person on the end? <laughs> I rest my case. I, and I apologize. If someone's struggling with cigarettes, I, I do not say that to run you down. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not making fun of you per se. 
But you see, there are lots of habits that call on us, that try and enslave us. God says, I've set you free. You're a son. You're a son. You have my name. You have the, the ring of authority. The ring that they would give their sons on their right hand would have some, some sort of embossing on it that was peculiar and particular to that family. And when they made a deal, when they made a contract, they would slam the fist into the, into the clay tablet into the, and, and in the wax there and it would leave the imprint. And that then became a binding contract. You've been given a ring of authority in Jesus' name. It's a binding contract. The Bible says, hitherto you've asked nothing in my name, but if you'll ask in my name, it shall be done. Trouble is most of us don't stand around long enough to see it being done. We run off. Gotta go find something, gotta go do something else. We're not, we're not slaves. We're not called to slaveship. We are called to sonship. When the enemy tries to attack you, you need to know where the verse of Scripture says, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. I, I, there's one verse of Scripture that I, uh, there's lots of, uh, this, one, this one in this application. From, first, from, from um, Colossians chapter 3, it says that my life is hid with Christ in God. That verse, the understanding of that one verse of Scripture has helped me so many times. When the enemies tried to come and get me, I said, you can't see me because my life is hid with Christ in God. I'm a son of God. I'm hid with Christ in God. That's where I'm gonna live. That's where I camp. That's my statement. I'm a son of God. And my life is hid with Christ in God. That's where I am. That's my confession. I am not moving. And I have found the enemy will turn tail and go. That pressure, that, that, that feeling, that that push, that drive, that compulsion to go and do that thing removes itself because it understands that I've said something that I know and I'm not changing my mind. The last one is we've been exonerated. We are not guilty. We're exonerated and not guilty. God is the highest authority. And if we say, if we say, that we aren't set free, if we say that this is wrong with my life or that's wrong, we are, we're making God a liar. Because God says, I have set you free. I have made you a son. I have called you into life. I have transferred you from darkness into life. In fact, the little beautiful verse there in, uh, again in Colossians, where it says that we have been transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Some of you need to understand, you need to live in that. I used to be over there, but now I'm here. I used to be that way, but now this is where I'm at. I used to be shadowed, over, overshadowed by darkness, but now I've been brought out. I'm in the light. Yeah. I used to be under the domain of darkness, but now I'm transferred to the kingdom, not just of the Son, but of the beloved Son, as God loves His sons. Okay, let me come to a summary now. 
I have three little points here to help you and I keep this place that I've been talking about. To how to stay here in the position God has put me in rather than find myself drifting back over here to the state that I'm living in. Sometimes they don't actually match up. Sometimes the way I'm actually feeling and might even be to some degree living doesn't quite match what I should be in my position. But that's the place we operate from. That's the place we live from. That's the place we feel and receive the promises of God from. This is on the pathway to here. I'm growing out of that to live over here. So here we must do this. You must know the promises. I've given you a dozen or more this, this morning. You must know the pro- you must know the promise that's re- relevant or yeah relevant relevant to you. You must know the promise that's at work in your life. If it's a promise for finance, you you need to find out in the Bible where he says that he'll not see his sons begging bread. You need to see the you need to find the promise where it, it says that if you ask of God, he will give it to you. If you earthly parents know how to give your children good gifts, how much more with your Father in heaven give you that which is right for you? That comes from Matthew chapter 7, and verse, verses 10, 12, 10, 11 and 12, slightly paraphrased. You need to know the promise. The only way you're going to get to know the promise is by reading the Word of God. Go to our resource centre. If they haven't got it, ask them to find you a book of promises, a book of God's promises to your life and for your life. Renew the spirit of your mind. That means my mind is used to thinking the old way. I have to take charge of my mind. I have to take charge of my thinking. I have to take charge of my thinking, not be ruled by my thinking. You, the person, you, the real you, you, the real person that Jesus died for, needs to take charge of your thinking. We're not run by our thinking. Our thinking is a process as we do. Our thinking is processes we go through in order to make decisions. But you're not your decision, although you can become your decision, but you're not just a decision, you're a real person. You're a real person that God loves. And your thinking needs to be thinking as God thinks about you. We need to pray to God. Pray to Him and live in obedience to His I, people really struggle with prayer. When my eyes open in the morning, I say, wow, thanks God, another day. That's my first prayer. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to get on your knees. When you get down to the breakfast table, whatever it is, thanks God for this food. Thanks for your provision. That's your next prayer. Thank you, Lord, that I can stand up and walk down the hallway. That's a good prayer. Thank you, God, that I'm getting out of this house which I'm living in by your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the home. Thank you, Lord, for the car I'm in. Bless me, safely drive as I go. Keep me, protect me. Man, you can have enough prayers prayed by the time you get out of your front gate. You need to pray. Talk to God. And thirdly, So firstly, know the promise and renew your mind. Secondly, pray to God. Thirdly, guard your actions. If you know some place is a bit hard for you to go, if you know some place is you're a bit prone to fall, to fall to that temptation, 
If you know that that place will provide a difficulty for you, then don't go there. Steer away from it. Find another place to go. Find something else to do. Find some other way to enjoy your life. Find some other way to spend your time. And I don't care what that, other, what that thing is. If it's a difficulty to you, just don't go there. Just don't go there. Steer away from it. And your life will become more of a life that's lived from your position rather than one that's subject to all the circumstances around about you. That's what God wants for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 